The Department of Health and Human Services has taken a big tech step forward. It can now use live data from its acquisition shop in order to buy things faster and more cheaply using, ta-da, a combination blockchain and artificial intelligence tool. It's called HHS Accelerate. Jose Arieta is the Associate Deputy Assistant Secretary for Acquisition there. He tells Federal News Network's Jory Heckman what it means for his team to receive the first authority to operate, or ATO, for a blockchain application in government. What the ATO means is it's not game, set, match. I and mean, We're not done. What it means is we can take live data from five contract writing systems, about 100,000 contracts that represent about $24.8 billion in spend every year at HHS, 100,000 contracts. Contracts, $24.8 billion in spend, approximately. Now we have the ability to take our system and the microservices that we built to analyze prices paid in terms and conditions, to pre-populate market research documents and acquisition planning documents. We can, we can actually run our system with live data. Uh, and the ATO gives us the ability to ingest that data from five contract writing systems uh, across the department. So that's what the ATO means. And that's very powerful because we believe that there's significant savings and significant price negotiation power that will come with having full visibility into prices paid in terms and conditions. And what I mean by that, just to give you an example, you know, when government goes to do a strategically sourced buy of something, it's very hard to get all of the information and data together. In fact, in many cases, it takes a number of months, depending on the volume of spend in an area, to pull it together, to analyze it, to read through the terms and conditions and understand what's driving price differentials. And it's static data. So now we have the ability to do that analysis in one second and provide that information at the fingertips to the contracting officer in negotiation or in acquisition planning, and it'll update in real time. That is extremely powerful. It's like going to Target and going to buy something. Let's say you're buying an iPhone, and you look up the price on Amazon and find out it's $30 cheaper, and you show it to the Target cashier, and they give you a discount. That is empowerment of the acquisition workforce, empowerment of the contracting professional, Uh, and that's our goal. With live data, we have the ability to start to test that. We have the ability to start to provide that information to contracting folks. And and that's where we're at. So a long way to go, but this is certainly a step for us. We're very proud of it. Someone told me we're the first functioning blockchain in the world for public procurement and the first ATO for a blockchain-based system in the U.S. government. So we're obviously proud, but this is just one step along the way. And it seems to me that the blockchain piece of this really gets the most attention, but it seems like there's some other emerging technology kind of baked into this as well, AI, RPA, and things things like that. Could you give me a little bit of a better understanding of what role they play in all of this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we believe at Health and Human Services, we believe that robotic processing automation over a legacy IT system is great. It makes the process go faster. It's like putting the 1998 gasoline into your car versus the 1987. But making an old process that's based on old technology go faster isn't modernization. It's just improvement. And in many cases, it could add complexity to your existing systems. So what we did is we took the approach where we used blockchain as a reference point for all the data that exists in the department. And we separated the data from the business process. And blockchain became the reference point, an encryption layer that references all of the contracting data in the department. And then leveraging that encryption layer, we built microservices. And we leveraged robotic process automation. We've leveraged machine learning, a soft form of artificial intelligence to build those microservices to automate business process. So the blockchain is the encryption layer that references and organizes the data into a standard taxonomy. Machine learning actually cleanses that data as it comes in from our 
legacy systems. Blockchain becomes the reference point in the taxonomy holder, and it creates a timestamp record of the fact that that exists in that taxonomy and doesn't allow for changes to occur to that. And then we build microservices off of that encryption layer for execute actions. And just one example, we built a microservice leveraging a soft form of artificial intelligence. Some would call it machine learning, but we believe we can grow it into a full-blown artificial intelligence that uses natural language processing to read terms and conditions and read prices paid and provide that insight very quickly to a contracting professional. This seems like such an interesting case study of what the administration is looking at through its president's management agenda as far as the shift from low value to high value work. How does this free up the acquisition community to do maybe some higher skilled work? A lot of good stuff in that question. One thing on the president's management agenda that we think that we're doing, and I, and I, I can't take credit for this. I, I actually read this from an article that Alan Chavatkin wrote. And what Alan Chavatkin wrote in his article from the Professional Services Council is he said, look, if agencies can figure out a way to move from a data center to a cloud environment, improve cybersecurity posture, and use the emerging technologies that are outlined in Director Mulvaney's MD1722 memo, you know, blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, then they will have, then according to the MGT Act, they will have the ability to reinvest any savings they generate for the agency into technology as long as they're able to track the savings they generate. And so we think that in our approach, uh, we've achieved all those objectives. We've moved from an on-prem data center to a cloud environment. We've increased our cybersecurity posture, and we're using all of the technologies listed in MD1722, and we'll have visibility into any savings we generate. So uh, we're very excited about that. Now, to your second question in terms of lessening the burden for the acquisition workforce, if it takes four to six months to collect data, terms and conditions and pricing on software licenses for the entire department to do a strategic sourcing, by automating that process and providing that insight and chunking that information into like terms and conditions, we can take the administrative burden of just collecting all that information and we can do it in a second. And that is extremely powerful because that allows the contracting professional and the program professional to focus in on chunks of terms and conditions and make business decisions as to what will be best for the agency versus spending tons and tons of time trying to understand the different terms and conditions that exist throughout all of the software license purchases in the department. So that's kind of one example of a way that we can improve the speed at which we do acquisition. And by doing so, by improving the speed from an administrative perspective, we can allow for a greater focus on critical thinking, such as what is the right capabilities for a software license that's going to deliver an outcome in the department versus just collecting the information, reading through it and trying to understand it. Since you brought up the MGT Act, is this the sort of thing that HHS would consider pursuing funds from the, the TMF fund, or is that not a route you guys would go down? That's a great question. Uh, it's something that we should probably think about. I'm just focused on the next five steps in front of me. So just to kind of highlight what they are, we got the ATO, but we're not done. So now we got to start to push real live data through kind of the system, the operating model. We know we're going to have to tweak things as the live data starts to flow through. And once we kind of get it operating smoothly, we got to start to share it with our workforce, get feedback from them on what's valuable and where we can provide better analysis and drill down. So that's kind of where I'm focused. You kind of laid out the next steps here, but, you know, is there any kind of timeline of when you and your team would like to hit these targets? 
Yeah. So let me say this. I have to be the first to say our goal was to get the ATO right around Thanksgiving. We always set these goals, but we don't always hit them perfectly. So we were a few days behind on the on the ATO. But uh, keeping that in mind, our goal is by March to be able to have a functioning capability with live data that we can start to provide information to our users, to our, our 1102s, so they can start to use that information. So what does that mean? That means extract the data from the writing systems, begin to analyze it, and then push it to the contracting professionals and get feedback from them on what information is useful, what could be more useful, what is not useful, and kind of start to train the machine learning in that way. So our goal is to be able to be doing that by March and actually start to leverage that information in a negotiation. That was Jose Arietta, the Associate Deputy Assistant Secretary for Acquisition at Health and Human Services, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.